You guys see the trailer for the new Matrix movie? Oh, yeah. The Kung Fu and it looks nice. Kung Fu? Did you know? I, I think one of the uh, people who worked on this movie we're about to talk about was picked because of his work on the Matrix movies. So it was a good time to drop the Matrix trailer. Hi, I am Tanner Richard Kraft. Hi, I'm Austin Zwiebelman. I'm Joseph Vranick, back from break. Yeah, only temporarily. He's going to be gone again for a few weeks after this. Now that the cat's out of the bag, I'm going to be moving. So uh, I'll be back soon. Wait, why'd you let the cat out of the bag? I told oh, you to sh- keep it in the bag. Fuck! But but I like it, a cat. That cat held the key to curing all known diseases. I'm also allergic to cats. Wait, no, I'm allergic to pussy. We're Sorry. talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings today. <laughs> The latest and greatest from Marvel Studios, which is our most frequent subject on the podcast, I believe, between WandaVision, Loki, Falcon, the Winter Soldier, Black Widow. We have done seven podcasts so far on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this being our eighth. That's like 25%. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about the newest movie, Shang-Chi, which is apparently the greatest fucking movie ever made, according to the general audiences. It's breaking box office records. People are coming back to the movies. As of right now, I'm pretty sure it still has the highest ever Rotten Tomatoes audience score for a superhero movie right now. I'm talking ahead of The Dark Knight. I'm talking ahead of Spider-Verse. I'm talking ahead of Endgame, even. People love this movie, for good reason or not. We'll get into that later. But before we talk about our thoughts on the movie overall, we're going with a classic question. Now, normally in these MCU videos, I've been asking you guys... What do you think about the character's journey throughout the MCU so far? But this is our first MCU true origin movie. It's our first origin movie we're doing for the MCU. So instead of talking about our history of the character, especially because this is a more obscure comics character, we're just going to be talking about what kind of expectations and stuff that you guys have going into this movie. Vrenik. Oh, God. Uh, So I had zero fucking expectations for this movie going in. (laughs) It was announced when I just did not give a shit about Marvel anymore. And then we started this podcast. We started talking about WandaVision and then Falcon Winter Soldier happened. And I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm kind of getting a little bit more excited for these things now. (laughs) And I watched that trailer and I still said to myself, why am I not excited for this? It's weird because I, I was really digging those TV shows and yet the movies I just could not care for. So I'm going to make a joke about it later, but there's one thing in the trailer that I was at least hoping for. So at the end of that first trailer, uh, Aquafina looks over at Shang-Chi and asks, who are you? And then it cuts to uh, Shang-Chi doing an action pose, and then it cuts to the title. I was expecting this to be a fight between Aquafina and Shang-Chi, but we'll get to that <laughs> later. <laughs> okay, that's fair. And uh, me coming home and hyping it up for you when I had fallen early, that did nothing to move the needle for you? Uh, slightly. I-, I think the problem is it's just because I know you too well and I know, like, how different our tastes in movies can be. <laughs> so sometimes it's like, uh, yeah, this doesn't really mean anything. Or it's like, sometimes I'll be genuinely surprised and I'll be like, okay, maybe I'll give this thing a chance. Sometimes you'll, like, show me, like, clips of things. Um, and I honestly think this is one of those cases where it kind of helped. You showed me uh, the clip of the scaffolding fight, and I noticed the lack of cuts in it. So I was like, okay, m- maybe this is worth giving a shot. All right, Austin, what did uh, what did you uh, expectations-wise have going in? 
No, this is about you now. Tanner, when are you going to apply to be a social media manager for Marvel Studios? You're like their <laughs> ultimate hype man. Oh, God. I If I can't work in proper filmmaking, being able to work for Marvel Studios would be a, a pretty close second. Hey, Marvel, um, if this is um, a ringing endorsement for Tanner, I fucking hate musicals. I can't stand 90% of musicals. However, Tanner hyped the fuck up out of uh, In the Heights, a movie that I had zero interest in seeing. And then I ended up seeing it and actually kind of liked it. So this man knows how to hype up a movie for you. Hire him. Hell yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, God, I wish I could have that job. But Austin, your expectations. Uh, So I was about seven when I was introduced to the master of Kung Fu, Brother Hand. I owned a lot of Shang-Chi comics from like the 70s. I can't remember. No, this is all a lie. I I I was about to say, holy shit, what? My introduction (laughs) to Shang-Chi was actually through a Canadian sitcom that I saw on Netflix called Kim's Convenience, which has sort of fallen out of favor because the creators, they apparently didn't listen to any of the Asian voices on set for like production and making of scripts and then grabbed the one white character in the show and went off and made a spinoff show with her and then canceled the show and it's a whole bad thing but guess who's in kim's convenience Simu Liu playing Jung, the older brother. I mean, everyone on that show is really likable. And so that guy was in my house for just the whole time we were watching the five seasons on Netflix. And one day Sid came out and was just like, hey, apparently that's Shang-Chi. And in the background, just without me paying any attention, there had been all the Shang-Chi trailers with me having the exact same reaction as Joe. I just can't get excited because the TV shows are these really elaborate, like uh, they have time to breathe, beautiful creations for Marvel, and the movies are just not panning out to be as good as them, especially Black Widow. And so when I saw the trailer for Shang-Chi, the first trailer especially, I was like, I don't even know what the what they're trying to do here necessarily. It was explained to me over time, it was like the Asian representation Black Panther, and then even later it comes out that it's a Marvel Kung Fu movie. Like, for some reason that didn't hit me over the head like a brick when I first saw the trailers. Can't explain why. So soundtrack was cool though closer and closer to the movie's release my hype was like this weird really rapid curve up i don't know how long it's been since we've seen an origin like story in marvel but one thing i rely on the studio for is they're almost like hardwiring technicians that are mastering a craft i feel like they could definitely at this point in the mcu's development know how to tell an origin story so before i walked into the the theater this morning my expectations were after everything through the Uh, It's been two years since we've had an MCU origin movie. I understand Captain Marvel is kind of forgettable to some, though. So, I mean, I love it. But yeah, I guess I'll get into my expectations of the movie, which was this might shock you guys. But beyond it being a Marvel movie, the trailers I thought were pretty meh, aside from a few standout shots in them. Yeah, I wasn't super intrigued by the movie from the trailer, but I knew it had to be good. Because when they announced they were making this movie, you know, they announced uh, Simon Ulu as the lead, Aquafina's in the movie. And then they announce oh. the villain of the movie, which is basically the Mandarin slash Wen Wu. Oh. And then they come out and say, we got Tony fucking Lung yeah. to be the villain of our Marvel movie. I need you guys to understand this. Tony Lung is probably the best actor on the goddamn planet. Yes. Okay. 
every movie he's been in has been nothing but magnificent. And we're going to talk about it more in depth later, I think. But when they said that Marvel, we got Tony Long, who has never done an American movie before. This movie is his first English speaking role, despite the fact that he has grew up fluent in English. He has never done an American movie before. And Marvel convinced this guy, okay? Tony Long doesn't need money. There had to have been something about this movie that appealed to him specifically. So I knew that there had to be something good about this. And, you know, the director, Daniel Destin Credit, and I've liked his movie. I enjoyed Just Mercy from a few years ago. Short Term 12 is an incredible film. So I, I had decently expectations. And the more I found out about the movie going leading up to it, the more I started to get excited. Wait, Bill Pope is shooting this movie? The guy that shot the Raimi Spider-Man movies, the guy that shot the Matrix trilogy. This guy is the cinematographer of this movie. The guy shot Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, that too. All of Edgar Wright's movies for the most part, I think. Yeah. Oh, the stunt coordinator slash second unit director is one of Jackie Chan's guys. Brad Allen is the stunt coordinator second unit director. Okay, okay. Now you're speaking to me. So when I heard that they were doing early screenings, uh, like the day after the premiere, they were doing two-week early screenings in IMAX. I hopped on that immediately. Because I started getting really hyped in late July when I realized that this movie had a chance to be really special. Obviously, I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. I came home and the first words I said to Frenick going back into my apartment was top five MCU movie, which had him shook. Because that's high, that's high words coming from me. I, I guess for those who aren't aware, Tanner is like very specific about what MCU movies he like really enjoys. So to yeah. say that something like breaks his top five, which has been pretty concrete for the longest time, that that's saying something. Yeah. I'm also doing a thesis on this thing called the Tanner principle, where the closer Tanner is to when he's seen the movie, the more that he says it's his favorite movie ever or these hyperbolic statements. <laughs> and then over time, as you allow it to gestate, it sort of nestles into a more realistic place on his, you know, chart of favorite movies and stuff. But often the movie Tanner has seen that week is, you know, given some sort of thing like it's the best <laughs> MCU movie. It's the greatest horror film, <laughs> things like that. I, I'm actually writing a paper on this <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I have a big recency bias problem but it has I have not moved it in my MCU rankings it's still my number five movie in the MCU right now I, I think I knocked it down a spot in my overall rankings of the year but that's only because I moved other movies up I, I still feel very hot on it but the Tanner principle is a fair thing I, I get caught up in the hype of saying new thing I really like especially this in IMAX. Can I say, I saw Black Widow in IMAX opening night. There are three sequences in that that are shot in IMAX, like aspect ratio, IMAX format. Only three. And they're not like very much of the movie, actually. This, I think the whole thing is in the IMAX ratio. The entire thing is at the 1.91 ratio of IMAX or the IMAX format that's approved. It's not shot on IMAX cameras. Technically, that's a whole very specific ordeal that I could rant about for not rant about, but get way too in depth with, but yeah, the entire movies in that 1.9 ratio infinity war, I believe was the first movie to do that. Endgame did it too. This movie's doing it as well. Uh, seeing it in IMAX early was great. Seeing it opening night with Joe was great, but yeah, let's just get right into what we thought about the movie overall. Austin, what did you think of Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings overall? 
I saw it earlier today, so my thoughts are still fresh, and I didn't do notes today because the Candyman podcast shifting my week kind of jumbled everything into the air. This is just off the top of my head. Um, I thought that leading up until I think about the scaffolding fight, the the fight outside of the building, this was really what it was cracked up to be. Tremendous action. Like, I, I can't think of many kung fu films that have action this good that have come out recently. It's like how we've we've kind of like my generation, we're trained to like go to like whatever new zombie movie comes out. We're like, oh, cool, zombie movies are back. And, and then you get the dead don't die. But then with, with this, it's like, oh, when's the last time we got like a really good kung fu movie? And up until that scaffolding fight on the building, I was like, this is one of those, this is a great kung fu movie. This is like Americans didn't make it. This is, this is some stellar shit. I mean, everyone's doing, you know, exactly what they need to do. I don't even like Aquafina. The only movie I like Aquafina in is The Farewell. And that that's it. But she was good in this movie because the Marvel magic was there, baby. And then <laughs> after the scaffolding fight, it stopped, you know, being in the Dark Knight territory where I was like, oh, this movie's invincible. This movie can do no wrong. Villain Man, uh, the Mandarin was fantastic. I, I thought the, um, the the Hundun was cute. And, and also, they, they had two surprises in a scene. They had Sir Ben Kingsley and a Hundun. And it was very adorable. And I don't know how Disney has, like, a lab that makes these cute little animals, but it was so good. And then, I don't know how much of this was featured in the trailers, but that secret village of, I think it's, like, Tao Lo that they go to, uh, that looked nuts. The, the, the VFX, the stuff in it, it looks so cool. And then it had third act syndrome super hard. Like the second that he stood, that, that the Mandarin starts punching that wall and those little guys fly out. I'm like, oh, it's the infinite henchmen we always have to fight. There we go. And the whole movie was just, <laughs> it just turned into a Marvel movie. That's fair. Uh, I didn't even think the conclusion was anything super special. But there is a part of this where for like an amount of its runtime, it is one of the best Marvel movies. And that fight on the bus, when he does that thing you see in the trailer where he like punches and kicks the guys. My audience was going nuts. It was so cool. It, It is a mortal movie, but for a lot of it, you won't know. It starts off incredibly strong and then eventually, as all most Marvel movies do, dips back into being okay. But man, was this entertaining? Jeez, compared to Black Widow, this is Citizen Kane. I I celebrate representation in movies by finding other movies about representation and and just stepping on them. Black Widow sucks so hard compared to this. (laughs) Yeah, Black Widow really dropped down in my overall MCU rankings. I think it's right around number 20 now, uh, which again, I want to remind you all, I like every MCU movie. I don't dislike any of them. It's just varying yeah. levels of liking. One last thing I'm mad at Black Widow about, Scar Joe. You're the reason I don't have clips this week. I, I Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Disney made the deal with the movie theaters for this to be theatrically exclusive before the lawsuit happened. Oh, thank you, Tanner. I was about to say something sexist. Yeah, don't. I mean, we can blame white women for a lot of things, but not this time. <laughs> All right, Joe. Uh, I think you're probably the most lukewarm on it, but I'm pretty sure you still liked it a lot. So go ahead. So compared to Black Widow, this is far fucking better. And I'm kind of looking back at that Black Widow review that we did a while back thinking I was too nice to it. That movie is a, it's very much an in one ear out the other movie. I have forgotten it so fucking hard since then. Like I honestly can't remember most of it now. Shang-Chi unfortunately I think might become another in one ear out the other movie 
after a couple of weeks, I'm honestly kind of having a hard time remembering a lot of it already since we, we saw this like two weeks ago, right, Tanner? Dude, it was like a little over a week ago. Okay, so a little over a week. For clarification, I also work two jobs and I've just got a ton of shit going on in my life right now. So days are becoming weeks and weeks are becoming months and months are becoming years. So <laughs> time is just irrelevant to me. As far as just my overall thoughts on the movie... I liked it. I thought it was fun. Unfortunately, I don't think any of the action sequences in the movie ever uh, topped the bus fight. The, the yes. bus fight in that movie is probably the best fight sequence of that movie. And I'll even defend a couple of the other fight scenes here in a second, but it's fun. You can actually see a lot of the action. There's hardly any fucking cuts. They cut when they absolutely have to. It's all pretty much done in camera. CGI is only required when needed. There's a lot of, uh, I, I was, I'm actually just kind of thinking about this right now. <laughs> there is a lot of little tributes to Jackie Chan in that, in just that bus fight, like just his little interactions with like the people in the bus, like the little comedic bits grabs the laptop to defend himself. <laughs> At one point he's outside of the bus, which I think is an intentional nod to police story, which I guess now that I bring it up, watch police story. It may be the greatest action movie ever made that that bus fight is Easily the, the best scene of the movie. And oh, hey, it actually has a practical uh, garbage truck and bus crash. And it looks awesome. They actually did that. The, the, in camera. It's real. It's awesome. And as far as the rest of it, it's fun. I, I like the characters. Most of the comedy is pretty good. Um, heck, this is probably one of the better third acts in a Marvel movie that I've seen in a hot minute. Because here, I will, Austin, I will defend this. And here, here, here is my defense. <laughs> Hear me out. It does suffer from being a little generic. That being said, unlike a lot of other Marvel third acts, the geography and stakes are much, much clearer. Oh. Something that I kind of, I'm going to compare it to easily the best third act of any movie ever, which is Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, The Helm's Deep Battle. One of the things that The Helm's Deep Battle does, it establishes what all of the parts in Helm's Deep need to be protected and what will happen, like, if the enemy breaches it. Like, what the stakes of what happens when they breach it are. I think the stakes of what, uh, of the third act, I, I think it's all set very clear. The geography is also set very clear. So it's easier to follow for me. A lot of the third acts in Marvel movies are just so all over the place that I just have a hard time figuring out who's where, what this location means. It's kind of all over the place. This was a little bit clearer than most third acts. So congratulations, Shang-Chi. You did good in that regard. Still a little bland, but I mean, you also threw in a dragon, so I can't really complain. Dragons are cool, man. Dragons are cool. Dragons are cool. Dragons are cool. Obviously, as I've been saying this entire time, I absolutely love the movie. I adored the movie. This is probably, it is the best action I have seen in a MCU movie since the first Avengers movie, if not the best action I have seen in an MCU movie, period. The action scenes really deliver on this one, and it is not the usual shaky, super cut a lot type of action that we have seen from a lot of Marvel movies. It is a very distinctly different type of action that is really a more reminiscent of 
I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to say it's as good as Police Story, not at all, but it is reminiscent of Police Story. It is reminiscent of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, especially that opening scene. Oh, absolutely. Um, it is reminiscent of a lot of great, great action kung fu movies. It is shot like it, and it is edited like it. It is very distinctly different. The action in this movie is absolutely top level. So I was going to have a great time with it because of that alone. Every set piece to me was a banger. Beyond, you know, how amazing I love the action, I think there was a lot of other stuff that really, really works well. I think the primary stakes and conflict and drama of the movie is really great. I I really love the plot of the movie. I love the villain, and I'm going to get into that shortly here. I love the way this movie looks. I really do. I feel pretty confident that Marvel has more or less fixed their color grading problem. This movie could maybe have been a bit more bright, colorful, but I still liked what I saw. And especially the village in the third act, I thought the village looked pretty colorful. So I think everything leading up to that point looking slightly more bland was intentional to really help make that section pop. Simu Liu is an amazing in the lead role. I'm excited to see him in more Marvel movies. I think he really nails this role. I remember there were rumors going on that he's flat and the dramatic scenes don't work with him. I didn't see that at all. I think I really bought into him and the kind of internal conflict and strife he has going on. I also thought that a lot of the early reactions of the movie called it darker than expected. And judging from the trailers, yeah, I thought it from the trailers, from the trailers, it feels dark. There are some dark moments in the movie. You know, when like when Shang-Chi is like, yeah, I killed that guy when I was 14. They didn't even show it. They didn't even show yeah, it. Yeah, but it's still dark. We do. Okay, what? This is darker? Black Widow. Then expected. Uh, then expected. Okay, everybody thought this was going to be a PG-13 Kung Fu hustle. Got it. Listen, listen, it just had more weight to it than I personally expected. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of things of the plot that appeal to me personally and my personal tastes. I thought, you know, the quote-unquote romance in this movie, which that might be a shock to you that I even brought up there being a romance in the movie because it's done very, very subtly. (laughs) Maybe too subtle? I don't know. But there's a distinct shot at the end of Shang-Chi and Katie going in through that portal that Wong opened where they lock arms. And it's like kind of like, oh, my lady, lock my arm, you know, kind of thing. So I I think there's definitely a bit of romantic tension there. But it seems like they're going to build it slowly, which is good. Marvel movies struggle with this sometimes. I thought the comedy. I remember when when I saw it the second time, Joe saw it the first time. We both agreed that this comedy felt more subdued than your typical Marvel movie. It wasn't the giant quip-a-thon. That we can be used to. like there were quips, don't get me wrong, but it never felt like the quips came in sacrifice of dramatic tension. Except for one that Oh, what was it, the airplane one? I, I was gonna say I'm not a big fan of the beef or chicken bit, just interrupting that story. It just wasn't that funny of a bit, yeah. It really wasn't. It made me giggle. It's the only type of Marvel humor that's like the typical interrupt the serious moment. That's really the only time they do it. Thank God. Because I was worried that with Aquafina, they might even, like, go harder on the quips. But they really didn't, so I was glad for that. My favorite part of this movie overall, and this kind of transitions into our next question, Tony Lung as Wen Wu, the villain. Holy shit. Yeah. Does he just freaking bring it or what? He is probably the greatest actor on the planet. In the Mood for Love, Chungking Express, Internal Affairs, Hard Boiled, all those amazing, amazing movies. He is he is the greatest actor on the planet, and I am so grateful that he decided to lend his talents to this movie, to this incredible, 
just, just incredible performance to a movie that he obviously didn't have to do. It's not like he's hurting for money. But he was excited by the prospect of doing a superhero movie. And from what I understand, he thought the script seemed pretty good. Because, you know, my next question, guys, was going to be, who's your favorite character? But if I asked you who's your favorite character, we would all say Wen Wu, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, at least on my so, end. Yeah, there's, there's no question. <laughs> so instead, it's more just like, what do you think of Tony Lung overall in the movie? And then your favorite character aside from him. I'm just going to finish my question, my thoughts on Tony Lung overall. He brings a really grounded, deep, emotionally meaningful performance in the MCU. The love he has for his wife is so it's so real. The grief he feels is so real. Just a glance. He can sell so much emotion with just a glance. That scene where he basically sacrifices himself when his final act as a living human being is to basically protect his son by giving him the rings, I thought was a very emotionally moving moment. Because in that moment, he was a dad uh. who, who, who learned to rock. <laughs> in that moment, it was dad's rock, baby! Ding, 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 ding. We got him! Yeah, so obviously this is a MCO movie that's more than maybe anything other than the Thor movies is about a father. Before I ask you guys the next question, though, real quick. In one third of this movie, I have seen more fantastical elements from a kung fu like village than I saw in Asgard in any of the damn Thor movies. I'm just saying that. But yeah, Tony Long, his performance is my favorite character in the movie. So to throw it back out to you guys, what do you think of Tony Long in this movie? And besides Wen Wu, who's your favorite character in the movie? We'll start with Mr. Frannick. Okay, uh, firstly, Tanner, I want to correct you on something that you said about uh, themes of fatherhood in MCU movies. You forgot the best one. It's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yes, yes, you're right, you're right. No, no offense, um, Tony Lung is a better actor than Kurt Russell. Wait, isn't there an actor in this who also plays a character in Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Uh, Michelle Yeoh. Thank you. As far as Tony Lung, yeah, I, I, I don't have much to say about his performance in it that hasn't already been said. And honestly, I think trying to say anything will just make me look like a dumbass. So I'm just going to say... But, but believe the hype. The, the, this dude is really fucking good at playing. Essentially, this guy who went through a redemption arc, who's kind of a bad guy, found love and redeemed himself, and then lost that love and needs to be redeemed again. The, the, the dude sells the hell out of it. And he looks like he's having fun with it, too. So I think that's really cool, and I'm happy that he was in it. As far as my favorite, like, other character in this. It's honestly kind of tough because I, I, I do really think uh, Shang-Chi, uh, I think that actor does a good job. I think the character's pretty fun too. He's quippy, but not as quippy as your typical Marvel hero. I think I'm just going to stick with him. Unlike Austin, I also do like Aquafina. Um, I, I've liked her in other things. Like Ocean's 8 was the first thing I've seen her in. And I was like, ah, yeah, she's pretty cool. Say what you want about that movie. She's fun, but I, I honestly can't remember much else about her other than the Hotel California bit. So I, I, I think I'm just going to go with Shang-Chi for, for safety. However, I, <laughs> I forgot to mention the Aquafina thing and the other disappointment. I, I have another disappointment that involves a character. Firstly, I take back my statement on saying it's fine. This movie gets a zero out of ten. There was no fight between Shang-Chi and Aquafina. Huge disappointment. Shame on you, Marvel. Step down, Kevin Feige, to start that hashtag. <laughs> I kid, of course. I knew that wasn't going to happen. I don't even know if that character had a name, but they got their own action figure. It's the, it's the dude in the kabuki mask. 
the, the like the dude in the blue, the death dealer. Is that the guy who stole the pendant and ran to the helicopter? I, yeah. Okay. The dude has like this costume. It's the Darth Maul problem. It's like the dude looks really cool, but you don't know jack fucking shit about him. He's got it even worse. We know zero about this guy, but he's got like this really intimidating kind of aura to him. And I I felt that was a wasted opportunity. And I'm just like, well, I'm definitely not getting the action figure. (laughs) That's one gripe with the character that I had had to bring up. All right, Mr... Mr. I hate fun Zweebleman. But what did you think of Tony Long in the movie? And obviously besides one, who is your favorite character? Tanner, it's me that hates fun. Yeah, I I just pop out of a trash can because that's where I do sex. It's not because I'm Oscar the Grouch. (laughs) Um, There is Tony Leung. There was this like incredible thing going on where I understood his motivations through the whole movie. And there was no like suspending disbelief thing going on where I was like, oh, my God, he actually as far as he knows, is hearing his dead wife. Everything this guy is doing makes sense. And with that, like, sort of prologue, I was like, are they going to make him just sort of an over-the-top, genocidal, like, goofy Hitler characterization? And then, no. No, he goes and he has that gorgeous, gorgeous fight in the woods with How I Met Your Mother. And just... Then eventually when we meet him again, after he's dragging out Aquafina and Shang-Chi's sister is like, all right, come on, everybody's going home. Fun's over. I was like watching it unfold. And I was like, holy cow, I love this guy. Like he's he's trying to end the universe and I completely get where he's coming from. And to write that into a script when it's Marvel and you don't have to, it feels like a little special occasion. Feels like cake for dinner. It was so kind of them. And I know, I know Dave Callahan, we've talked about how he how he was a douche in that lawsuit and that one podcast, but all the three people who worked on this, just for the way they handled the Mandarin's character. And the Mandarin's other character. I, I thought it was really good. You can't say anything negative about Tony Leung's performance because he did amazing. I think my other favorite character is probably Morris. Because Morris was just a standout. There's this little guy without a face. He walks out next to Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley's so happy that they can see him too. He's real. And then later he gets this star-making moment. I can't wait for the Morris solo movie when Ben Kingsley is revealed to be dead, having lost his life in the battle. Morris goes over to weep for Ben Kingsley, his only friend. And then Ben Kingsley goes, calm down, it's just acting. And Morris flips over on his back, exposing his belly to the sky like the star that he is. Morris is going places, motherfuckers. There was this guy who walked through a portal when I was younger, and all he could say before the signal faded was, in the future, toy commercials will have prestigious actors. And then he faded into beams of light. I didn't understand what he was saying until now. (laughs) Toy commercials has always had prestigious actors. The Transformers movie had Orson Welles. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing has changed. (laughs) Time is a circle. So obviously I've always already discussed my thoughts with Tony Long. So, you know, I loved him in the movie. So my favorite character other than him, uh, there are a few contenders. I want to shout out some honorable mentions. Shang-Chi's sister. This is her first movie. Holy shit. Give it up for her. Whoa, right? whoa. This is her first time acting in a movie. What what a star making role right off the bat. Am I right? She, she was pretty good. I would have never guessed. Other than that, you know, I liked Aquafina as Katie. I'm a huge fan of Aquafina. Crazy Rich Asians was unironically in my top 10 movies of 2018. So, you know, I've always been a fan of her and the movies she's can be in. Other than that, I think the two characters I really want to shout out is obviously Shang-Chi himself. 
I thought he was incredible in this movie. But my number one character, other than Wen Wu, it's got to be the comedic relief character. It's got to be Trevor Slattery. I never thought I would see him in a Marvel movie again after Iron Man 3, but he's back and honestly better than ever. Because there's no there's no plot twisting. You know, I like that Iron Man 3 plot twist. I understand why other people don't. But there's no even remote sting with his comedic performance because you understand it's going to be comedic all the way through. And quite frankly, Ben Kingsley's Trevor Slattery delivers the joke that has made me laugh the hardest at a Marvel movie since the first Avengers movie puny God moment is when he describes why he wanted to become an actor and how oh. how they get those apes to ride on horses, mom. Oh, it's just acting. <laughs> and I thought, oh, wow. They get those bulky chimps to ride horses. What could I do? I wanted to roll around on the ground at that joke. That joke was fucking incredible. And it just kept getting better. Like, it never outstated welcome. It was the perfect amount of time. That joke was amazing. Trevor Slattery was great in the movie. Uh, shout out to Arm Guy with the with the sword arm. Uh, he had a couple of banging lines. I liked him. Can I say this about Ben Kingsley? Like, I, I had kind of, like, two different experiences when he appeared in the movie. We saw this opening night, packed theater. Remember when they started cheering Tanner, like, the people in the back and nobody else cheered? Yeah, nobody joined them, <laughs> which sucked. I was half expecting, like oh, it's going to be Ben Kingsley and everybody's going to start groaning. And then everybody started laughing. So on the one hand, I was kind of shocked because everybody hates that Iron Man 3 twist, ex- except for me. I like that twist. But at the same time, it's just like, yeah, no, this is a funny joke and they're using this character well. And oh, it's Ben Kingsley. You can't hate the man. Yeah, you can't have so. a movie about Asian representation without having Gandhi in it because you got to put some South Asian <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to our final question before trivia. With a movie with action as incredible as this one, I just got to ask, what were your guys' favorite set piece in the movie? You know, favorite action sequence, set piece, whatever. We'll start with Austin. I, I can't. I walked straight out of the theater, and the first thing I said to my husband was, I don't think it ever got better than the bus fight. I I really don't. I mean, it, there was a lot of good stuff in there. The scene where Wen Wu and his wife, they meet and have the weird sex fight in the forest. You know, there's a lot of contenders, everything on the side of that building, or at least most of that fight. But that bus fight, the, the way that after this like movie where I'm like, okay, where is this going? And that dude just comes up and is like, give me your green necklace. And I was like, oh, this is cool. They're just going to, they're really just going to have to fight. And then there were a ton of people on the bus. And oh my God, it was like classic. It was like Buster Keaton. It was like Jackie Chan all had a weird baby. It never got any better than that. But that's not because the rest of the movie isn't great. It's because that bus fight is the best. That bus fight is one of the coolest scenes in this whole cinematic universe. Everybody who had their hands on that scene deserves a massive pat on the back. I wonder if we'll be talking about that in 10 years. Just showing that there's a YouTube clip at parties and stuff. Like, did you catch this one when it was in the theaters? So long answer short, bus fight. All right, Joe, I already know it's bus fight, but explain why. (laughs) Hold on. I do have one more comparison to make that just kind of came to mind. Another thing that this, that that bus fight kind of reminded me of was speed. Like speed. It's the, it's the classic movie. Bus needs to go at like 
X amount of miles per hour or the bomb will go off. And there's people on the bus. You got to protect the people. There's also traffic that they got to avoid. And it's LA, which is a heavily trafficked area. There's like cars all over the place. That was kind of a thing that they also had to deal with. It's like, there's people on the bus. They got to keep them safe. Also, they're in San Fran fucking Cisco, another area that is just downhill slopes so many fucking cars heavy traffic all over the place they just gotta dodge all of this shit they gotta make hard turns they gotta keep this bus moving <laughs> um yeah because didn't the brakes end up breaking yeah, off yeah, the, 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 brakes, the brakes break the brakes get cut um which another thing that happens in speed the bus drivers like incapacitated aquafina's got to start driving the bus kind of like sandra bullock there's a lot of action movie nods just in that one scene and it's just so well executed that it's honestly just hard to top i guess if i had to pick any other scene that was a fun set piece. I, I did like the scaffolding fight, but I don't have that much to say about the scaffolding fight other than, oh shit, I have a fear of heights. This is making me anxious. All right. Uh, so there are a few honorable mentions for me. Uh, the bus fight being probably the top honorable mention. It was not my favorite set piece in the movie, but you know, I thought the bus fight was incredible and amazing. Uh, to defend the third act in general a little bit here, I want to say, like Vrenik was saying, the geography is clear and well-placed. I thought the movie actually earned having that third act fight, that third act sequence, because of how much goodwill it was building up until then and how much it really built up to it in general. It felt really earned. It didn't feel like it was out of nowhere. And also Dragons. And uh, the fact that the third act in general kind of maintains the same editing style that the rest of the movie has, uh, I think helps enhance it for me personally, especially specifically the final fight between Shang-Chi and Wen Wu father son especially when they both have rings i thought was really awesome really well done minor one i just want to point out the flashback sequence with wen wu right after his wife dies in that a little like little diner or whatever that was mm-hmm. i thought that was really cool uh, my favorite set piece in the movie as a whole however is the scaffolding fight because if there's one little nitpick i have with the bus fight is it's just not as big as the scaffolding fight. The scaffolding fight takes some really big swings, you know? It's real vertical. There's a lot of moving up and down alongside left and right. There's so much movement happening, and I am. it is never unclear about where anything is for me. I can always tell what is going on. The sound design is really incredible. I love how the sister gets involved. I love the little comedic relief when it's really tension-filled of Aquafina just singing Hotel California to try and confuse the bad guy. I thought that was really funny. Aquafina dangling for her life and he has to get to her quickly enough. I think that's really well done. And then when he runs into the building to chase after Death Dealer and they have their little hand-to-hand fight right outside the uh, helicopter with that big-ass advertisement adding a lot of really interesting lighting to the scene and then Wenwu getting involved. It's just really well done. It is a non-stop thrill light that scene is and I just absolutely love that scaffolding fight and just the fight in that building in general. It's really well done and I absolutely adored it. All right, guys, you know what's next? Is it trivia? It's Tanner's Trivia Corner. Banjo noise. Uh, let's get into this uh, <laughs> some some of this fun trivia in the movie. We have a fair amount here. Hey, I got one. Don't, oh, what, what do you got? Do you, do you have anything about the first director that was assigned Shang-Chi back in 2001? 
Uh, you mean Stephen Norrington announced to direct the film in 2001, right? Yeah. Do you know what he's up to these days? Since, you know, he no. forever ago when he directed Blade and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, those much beloved classics. It was confirmed, I think, in 2018. I think one of the people who worked on Blade, I think like an actor said that what that guy's up to, Norrington is up to these days is he's in his house, like at his house, making a film with like miniatures and models and stuff. And that his their like time frame on the movie is it'll take him about 10 more years to finish the film. He's trying to make like, like a tale of tales in his own house. That is the oh, weirdest trajectory for a man's life. What a what a strange thing. Hold on. We we might get another Stephen Norrington movie is what you're saying. Yeah. If he doesn't die first. Oh, I want this. I cuz man, that first Blade movie is fucking great and The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen's fucking terrible. I kind of wish that he made another movie to redeem himself from that. Now, now that that's I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Get get that what? thing made, man. What? You don't like Sean Connery and his devastating weather machine? <laughs> That's the Avengers, Tanner. Fuck! <laughs> He's Alan Quartermain in that one. Both of those movies suck. Leave me alone. Well, while we're bringing up the director trivia, I will say, yes, this movie's been in some form of development since the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, in 2005, Wu Ping Young was also signed on to direct. I don't know who that is. I should have looked it up. Marvel Studios, when they contacted uh, Tony Lung for this movie, I think part of what helped this movie appeal to him is that they said they he had full authority for his, to make his own history for the character. They really just let Tony Lung run wild with it, and I really think it shows by how much he really is into this performance and how amazing it is, you know? He really wanted that scene where he tells the ancient-looking dude, just shut up, young man. I've lived ten lifetimes. <laughs> Fun fact about that. In our, in the English subtitles say, I have lived ten more lifetimes than you. It's apparently the actual line he says in Mandarin is... I've ate more salt than you have rice, which apparently are (laughs) grains of rice, which apparently made the audiences in those countries go nuts because apparently that's like the ultimate boomer going to kick your ass phrase over in those countries. So apparently just made people get really hyped and excited because it's that colloquialism. And it's a shame that we don't get that kind of colloquialism. It's also a shame this isn't playing in China because of what uh, Seaman Liu's parents told him about communist China. Yeah, it turns out when his parents moved away because of the famines and and, and Seaman Liu did there to say that in an interview. Apparently this movie's not going to come out in China. Which is hilarious. It's That's very funny. And so that is so CCP. That is so that government. This is for you, dude. <laughs> we, we, it was for you. It's like someone being like, no, I'm not going to my birthday party. Pull out a little detonator and they just kill everyone at their birthday party. <laughs> Uh, so speaking of this movie being in development before in the late eighties, Stanley considered some kind of a film or TV series about this movie in his mind, his idea for the start of the movie was Brandon Lee, Bruce Lee's son, but it fell through, unfortunately. And then, you know, Brandon Lee later died. So here we are. The filmmakers cite a few specific movies as influences on this film. And it's very obvious. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, a uh, Kung Fu Hustle, uh, Tai Chi Master and the Matrix series. We're all big influences. The Matrix, mostly from Brad Allen's involvement in those movies, I believe. And Bill Pope. And Bill Pope, yes. 
Uh, they also cited Donnie Yen's Ip Man films as influences and most of Jackie Chan's filmography, uh, specifically on the action. Speaking of Donnie Yen, before Tony Lung was cast, Donnie Yen was considered for the role of Wen Wu slash the Mandarin. Tony, Tony, he could not have done it a better job than Tony Lung. Right. Um, this is uh, Simu Liu's first lead role in a movie. Yeah, up until this point, he's either been on TV or supporting characters in movies. This is his first leading role. The first line in English in this movie isn't spoken until about 10 minutes into it. That was bold. That was bold. Yeah. The fact that so much of this movie is just straight up in Mandarin was a really ballsy, boldy choice. And honestly, I, I hope this leads to people being more open to watching subtitle films and more foreign type films. I really hope this opens the door for people. Some of the people that were considered for the role of Shang-Chi is uh, Ludi Lin, Stephen Yun, yeah. Mike Moe, Alex Landy, Louis Tan, Edward Zoe, Livilu Kowalski, and Ross Butler. Imagine if Mortal Kombat Cole Young was Shang-Chi. God, <laughs> oh, that'd be fucking funny. Stephen Yun, that'd be funny because he's like a good 10, 15 years older than Simi Liu. So <laughs> it would have been like, yeah, I'm 25. He clearly <laughs> looks 40. And the final piece of trivia, Austin, you'll love this. Trevor Slattery's Pet Morris. Huh? He is voiced by D. Bradley Baker. Yes. This is D. Bradley Baker's second comic book movie of the year. Joseph Rennick, you, I'm pretty sure you know what his first comic book movie of the year is. Yes, because uh, he, he was Sebastian the Rat from Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. That's right. That is the, Both times he has played MVP animal characters. Shout out to D. Bradley Baker. Good on you, man. I did point those out to, uh, to Joe when the credits were rolling in the movie. He's credited as just D. D Baker. Baker, which I thought was weird. <laughs> yeah, that's it for trivia. So do we have any final thoughts on the movie overall? We'll start with Rennick. I've honestly got nothing else to say on it. I think it's fun. Go check it out if if you like all the Marvel stuff. If you're looking for some fun action, they got a really good bus fight. I, they, I've been praising this bus fight nonstop throughout this. Bus boy. It's, a, <laughs> it's a good fight. You'll get some fun action stuff out of this. Even that opening fight's really cool. It's like if you're not sold on that opening fight, which that's where the Crouching Tiger references are really apparent, you might as well go get a refund, which that, that's kind of a shame. This it, It's a fun movie. Check it out. Austin, departing thoughts? See it in IMAX. Don't see it in 3D. It was a post-conversion. Be prepared to fall in love with a creature which has no head. Uh, I gotta say, this is actually a really good Marvel film. I think they might be back into, like, the swing of things, which is exciting because these have their place in our cinematic diet. I was very impressed. I can't wait to see Simu Liu go places because of this. Bring back Kim's Convenience. And, uh, yeah, thumbs up for me. This is one of my favorite movies of the year. I'm pretty sure it's number six on my top films of 2021 right now. It is number six. Uh, I gave this movie five stars. It is my number one superhero movie of the year. Sorry, Joe, I know that's blasphemous. Uh, if it makes oh. you feel any better, they're neck and neck. Blasphemous. This is Sparta. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love this movie. Wen Wu's arc in this movie, the ending made me cry. Truly, when his final sacrificial act was to, you know, sacrifice his life for his son. And um, this movie is just really incredible. It's a really great time. It is my second favorite MCU solo film. I think this is the best origin movie in the MCU since Iron, Iron Man. Man. Iron Man. Yeah. 
So the one that started it all, I think it's the best origin movie since then. I think this is the best solo movie, well, since Iron Man 2. I like this more than The Winter Soldier. Austin, I know that's blasphemous. No, no. I like this more than The Winter Soldier. My man! Yeah. I definitely like this more than The Winter Soldier because I'm not a fan well, of it. Well, you don't count. You don't like The Winter Soldier. You don't count. Go away. But yeah, I absolutely love this movie. Go see it in IMAX if you can. Especially the third act, I think, is really enhanced by seeing it in IMAX. See it on the biggest screen you can. It is a brilliant ride. I absolutely love this movie. This is one of the best MCU movies. This is my favorite piece of MCU content this year. Straight up. I love, love, love this movie. Go check it out if you haven't already. And I would like to thank you for checking out this podcast. If you are listening to this podcast on none of the audio platforms we are on, thank you oh so very much for listening. Please make sure you leave a review because it helps boost us in the algorithm. And if you're watching this podcast on YouTube, thank you oh so very much for watching. Go ahead and go down to the comment section below and let us know. What do you think of Shang-Chi overall? Are you excited to see the future of this character? What did you think of Tony Lung as Wen Wu? What was your favorite action set piece? Go ahead and comment below and let us know. And while you're down there, go ahead and hit that like button so we can know how much you like us. Hit the subscribe button so you know how much you love us. So we can know how much you love us. And hit the bell icon so you can know exactly when we upload new videos. Thank you oh so very much for watching, guys. And I'll see y'all next time. Peace, bitches.